There was judgment throughout Israel because of their sin. It was cyclical. The people of Israel would cry out because they were under the captivity of some type of country and the persecution of some type of country. God would deliver them. He would send them a judge to deliver them. But it wouldn't be long. They'd go back into sin and they'd have to cry out again and God would send the judge. And this kept on going over and over and over through the book of Judges. But when you get to the, the book of 1 Samuel, the people cried out. They wanted a king. Everybody else had a king. And we kind of like that too, right? Everybody else has a toy. We've got to have the toy too, right? So the people thought, well, everybody else has a king. We want one too. And even though it wasn't God's plan for them to have a king, God had a perfect will. But he also has a permissive will. He allowed them. And said to Samuel, well, go, get ahead, go ahead and give him a king. Oh, there's going to be some troubles. There's going to be some problems. There's some stipulations. But give him a king. And that first king, as we know, started out so well. His name was Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a, started out as a godly king. First Samuel chapter 11. And look at verse 1. Then Nahash, the, the Ammonite, came up against up in a camp against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve thee. And Nahash, the Ammonite, answered and said, On this condition will I make a covenant with you. I'll make an agreement with you if you do this. Look at what it says. That I may thrust out all your right eyes and lay up for reproach upon all Israel. First of all, we see a hard prep proposition. I, entered, I was studying this morning, and Brother Eric, the word Nahash means snake. He's walking around there. If he'd have heard the word snake, he'd probably still be walking that way out that way. He may not even come in the building. He doesn't like, he doesn't like snake. It's a snake. And this guy was a snake. Interesting enough, this was Nahash the Ammonite, a descendant of Lot in his incestuous relationship with his daughters. Remember that? We studied that on, on Sunday night. One was a Moabitess, one from the tribe of Moab, one to Ammon. These people... This tribe of Jabesh Gilead was trying to make a covenant with, a, an agreement with, a treaty with. And, and Nahash, this, this snake of a man, this wicked man, said, yeah, I'll make an agreement with you. But I tell you, if you're going to make an agreement with you, if you want peace with, peace with me, I'm going to do one. You have to do one thing. Take out your right eye. That's kind of hard preposition, isn't it? That, that, got, that kind of leads you in, in, a bad, in a bad state because it's going to hurt. It's going to impair you for life. Imagine everybody in this room with a with right eye taken out. Imagine every man, woman, boy, child, baby lost their eye. If you don't do that, we're well, not going to have agreement. Sounds like a hopeless situation, doesn't it? This last Tuesday, Pastor Clarence Sexton the Crown College, Temple Baptist Church, had a conversation with his brother, Pastor Tom Sexton, Gulf Coast Baptist Church, several hundred pastors had the opportunity to listen to that conversation. I was one of them. And Pastor Sexton was sitting in his car because his house was demolished because of the storm. And he told a story on that Wednesday. Somebody in Fort Myers Beach, a family, had decided to stay. Even though they said, even though they said, well, originally it's not going to go to Fort Myers Beach, it's not going to go to Boquilla, it's going to come to Tampa, y'all remember, it's going to go to Tampa, maybe even, we were fishing, Brother, Brother Chuck and Brother, and Brother Vaughn, we were fishing in, Cape, in Cedar Key, and they said, well, maybe it might come up this way, we didn't know, but just like Charlie, it came to the same place, Boquilla, and they only had about 12 hours to prepare for it, some people stayed there on Fort Myers Beach, this family was stayed on Fort Myers Beach, 
they called into a news station and said, we are on the second floor, we're on the top of a table. Man said, I'm with me, my wife, my daughter, and my mother. He said, what do we do? He said, sir, you have six more hours of water coming in. It's, you have 12 more feet of water coming. And the man said, what do I do? He said, your only hope is get to the top of the roof where it's blowing 110 miles an hour and hold on for dear life. And the man said, I can't. my mom and my wife and my child and my mom I can't get them on top of the roof and the angel says if you don't get them up there you'll never survive that was the end of conversation we don't know what happened to those dear folks dear friends there's hundreds of people like that that didn't survive the storm and we hear things like that and said man that's that's but imagine if that was you today Imagine you on that table with your wife and your kids and your mom. And you're thinking to yourself, this is my last day alive. It's a hopeless situation, hard proposition. But there was a hearing of the problem. Look at verse 4. The Bible says, Then came messengers to Gabesh Gibeah of Saul and told the tidings of the ears of the people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. And behold, Saul came after they heard out of the field. And Saul said, what ail the people that they weep? And they told them the tidings of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those tidings and his anger was kindled greatly. So not only was there a hard proposition, there was a hearing of the problem. People heard about it. People were weeping and crying. Sad because they knew the situation of their kindred, their fellow, their fellow Israelites. They knew they were in a difficult situation. They knew that there probably would be no help. They were helpless, hopeless, and hapless. And they wept. They cried about it. And I don't know about you, but this last couple of weeks, I've, I've wept. I've cried. I've been sad. I heard the devastation. I had a good friend, as I mentioned, I think on Wednesday night, that lived right on Fort Myers Beach. And I finally, last Wednesday, after several days of the Spirit of God prompted me, gave me the courage to call him. And I said, brother, how are you doing? He said, I don't even know if I have a home there or not. They won't even let me go on the beach yet. It's so destroyed. I don't even know. And many a time he would let my wife and I and our kids stay there on the beach and have a great time. But now his place is probably destroyed. I wept. Because it's one thing to know about that. But it's another thing to know them and to know their pain and to know their suffering and to know that they don't even know and that's probably the hardest part because to know is a finality but when you don't even know if your precious things are destroyed the things you work for all your life are there or not they didn't even know how, how horrible it was they heard about it so often we hear about the truth and we do nothing about it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13 about the Jewish people, the religious people, for these people, heart is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted, lest I heal them. 
But in verse 16, he said, Blessed are your eyes, talking to the disciples, for they see and your ears hear, and your, and your ears for they hear. There's so many people, when tragedy comes, we say, well, just a, it's just another hurricane. It's Katrina. It's, it's, it's Ivan. It's Wilma. It's, Char it's Charlie. It's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's in. It's, it's them. It's them. It's them. Thank God it's not me. And even I was talking to people on Wednesday morning as a hurricane's coming up, and some of them were texting me, well, here we go again. Last time was Irma, and I was there with him. I was at, on Tampa, Tampa Road, me and my wife and two kids <laughs> huddled in the closet, hoping and praying and listening to the radio, and my wife saying, turn that thing off, turn that thing off, turn that thing off, <laughs> a hundred times. But it was getting closer. It was going to Marco, then to Naples, then to Benita, then to Estero, and we were next, and I just wanted to know, and I heard the thump and the bump and the crash and the boom and the bang. I said, oh, Lord, is it time or are we going to die? And it reminded me of Charlie. We got a, in Charlie, we backyard had Malalukas. Those are just paper trees imported from Australia. Whoever did that should be horse-whipped. Whoever did that. We had a Malaluka tree bigger wide than this pulpit, tall as almost this roof. It was in the center of our yard. And we had double doors, glass doors, sliding doors. We were... At a table the church gave us, it was a makeshift table. We threw all the mattresses on top of it and all the sheets and all the things we could put on top of it. And it was me and my wife and two-year-old daughter, Alethea. And we were in there, and I heard a crack, and there's a Malaluka, and it's starting to sway. And I said, God, please don't let it come this way. And it went that way instead of this way. One tree came and bust through our lanai. You hear about it. You hear about it. But when it's you, it's different, isn't it? When it's you, it's different. There was a hard proposition. There was a hearing of the problem, but there was help promised. Look at verse 9. They said in the messengers that came, Thus shall you say unto the men of Jabesh Gilead, Tomorrow, about this time, the sun will be hot. You shall have, ye shall have help. <laughs> You shall have help. And the messengers came and showed it to the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. <laughs> Therefore the men of Jabesh Gilead said, Tomorrow we will come out unto you, and you shall do with us all that seemeth good unto you. And so it was on the morrow, verse 11, that Saul put the people in the three com companies, and they came in the midst of the host of the morning watch and slew the Ammonites until the heat of the day. That's about noon, I'd say. <laughs> it came to pass that they, they were, which remained were scattered so the two of them were not left together. Wow. We see the godly king. But secondly, we see the grateful people. Turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 31. Of course, unfortunately, godly king Samuel became a greedy king. He didn't do right. He disobeyed the Lord. And because he disobeyed the Lord, God was going to raise up someone, as the word of God said, that was better than thou. And that was that young man by the name of David who was out there faithfully taking care of the sheep. Disobedience always brings problems. Obedience always brings blessings. Disobedience always brings problems. Obedience always brings blessings. Because of his disobedience, 
It not only affected Saul and dear friend, when you and I disobey God, it not only affects you, it affects everybody around you. Do not believe the lie of the devil that this won't affect anybody but you. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Because every time you and I sin, it affects me, it affects my wife, it affects my kids, it affects the church, it affects everybody around me. We see the grateful people, though. In verses 1 through 6, let's look at it. 1 Samuel chapter 31. This is now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down, slain in the Mount, Mount Geboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul. He put his sons, the Philistines slew Jonathan, Adinabab, and uh, Malshula, Saul's son. And the battle went sore against Saul, and the archers hit him. And he was sore wounded of the archers. Then said Saul unto the armor bearer, Draw thy sword and thrust me through, where thou lest thou uncircumcised come and thrust me through. That was the Philistines and abused me. And his armor bearers would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. When the armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. So Saul died, his three sons, and the armor bearer, and, and, the, and all his men that same day. We see the death of, of, of the disobedient. Saul and his sons died because they're disobedient. Hurricanes, people say, was it God? Was it the devil? All I know, one thing, people died from it. People died from it. There was destruction. There was death. But not only were they died, there was desecrated. Look at verses 7 through 10. It says in verse 7, And the men of Israel, the men of Israel that were on the side of the valley and other, on the side of the other side of Jordan saw the men of Israel fled. They saw and his sons were dead. They forsook the cities and fled. The Philistines came and dwelt with them. And it came to pass, verse 8, on the morrow, that when Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his three sons fallen to Mount Geboa, and they cut off his head and stripped off his armor and sent into the land of the Philistines round about to publish it in the house of their idols and among the people. And they put his armor in the house of Ashtaroth, that's her false god, and fastened the body to the wall of Beshan. Not only was there death because of the disobedience, there was desecration of the bodies. You know what's going on down there in Fort Myers? Bokeh, Cape Coral, there's scamming going on. You say, no, not when people are going through trouble and destruction and pain. There's scamming going on. Yeah, I went and talked to a dear lady. Her name was Sandy. Thank God her house was fine, but she just lost her dear husband for over 60-some years of COVID this last year. And she was telling me about his death. And she said, you're not going to believe this, Brother Marty. But I had a good friend on Facebook. Somebody hacked into my Facebook, said it was me. My friend lost everything in the hurricane. And an instant message came to her, but it wasn't me. I was hacked and said, click on this and you will get financial help for the hurricane. And she clicked on it and gave her social security number. And it was going to be worse, but thankfully she got help before she did it. There was not only death and destruction, there's desecration. And that stuff's going on even right now. It's going on even right now. But look at the duty of the dedicated. Verse 11, when the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard of that which was Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men rose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshane and came to Jabesh-Gilead and burnt them there and took the bones and buried them under the tree of Jabesh and fasted seven days. 
There was a hopeless situation, but they heard of the sacrilege that the bodies were being, not only did they die, but they were being desecrated, and they honored their Savior. They honored their King, Saul. Dear friend, I can tell you, hurting people need help. Hurting people need help. Yes, there's hurting people down there in Fort Myers, but there's hurting people up here in Gainesville, too. There's spiritual needs all around us. We walk around kind of like, well, I, I, I see nothing, I, I hear nothing, I know nothing, kind of like that, that, those monkeys. But, dear friend, there's problems everywhere. Just go around, look in the eyes of people you see when you go to Target Ladies buy those shoes. When you go to the restaurant, look in their eyes, you'll see their faces. And people are hurting. When I was down there in Fort Myers, in Bonita Springs, people are confused, walking around confused, don't know what to believe, don't know what to think, waiting for the insurance adjuster. Some even waiting for power to come on. Some trying to contact other friends they haven't heard from, from before the storm. They're confused, they're worried, they're scared. They're not sure. They're not sure. I remember during Hurricane Charlie, we lost, uh, I said, some Malaluka trees that came through and lost a big Malaluka, like I talked about, as big as this pulpit went that way, and other trees came in, destroyed our lanai. The next day, the next day, dear brother and his two sons came with chainsaws. The next day, another brother from the church came with his chainsaw, and I can't tell you how glad I was to see them. I can't tell you how happy I was to see those men in those chainsaws because I thought, I'm going to do this all by myself. <laughs> I don't know, I, this is going to be a long trip, but I had help. And when Irma came, trees fell down in the front yard, and I looked at it and I said, I can't do this by myself. And Chuck Gilbert's sons came with a chainsaw. And Charlie's father-in-law, Tom Gillespie, came with a chainsaw. And within two or three hours, it was done. I'd had help. So when I heard there was another hurricane, I got to go. I, I didn't have to go down. I got to go down. And I called Brother Jim. I said, Brother Jim, do you need any help? He said, I sure do. I said, people want, ladies want to cook me casseroles. They want to offer me a hot shower, but I need some men to help me. And at 9, 8.45, when I showed up at Jim and Glenda Knott's house, and I walked down the door, I could see their face. And they were glad to see me. They were glad. You know what the Bible says? Acts chapter 20, verse 35, I've showed you all things, how so laboring you ought to support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Dear friend, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You and I have an opportunity as a church to give to the churches that are hurting right now. A question was asked, as I mentioned, they listened to that conversation, the Pastor Tom Sexton. They said, what can we do for the churches, for the people in Fort Myers, Naples, Bonita Springs? And he said, the best thing you could do right now is support the local Bible-believing church. You see, right now, a lot of money is going out to buy supplies to fix things on the church. 
but not, but not a whole lot of money's coming in. The reason why a lot of not many much money is coming in, unfortunately, even tithe money, because the members of the church are spending extra money fixing their own homes. And I remember it in Charlie. It hurt the church. I remember it in Irma. It hurt the church. We were struggling. Thank God for outside help that came in that helped us get through during the time. And Pastor Tom Sexton said the best thing you could do is support the local church during this time because insurance adjusters haven't come yet. The insurance money hasn't come. It may be weeks. It may be months. Now is the time when the local church needs help. So I'm praying and asking that we support three churches by the grace of God. Three churches. And I know these men well. Calvary Baptist Church, Pastor John Boucher in Inglewood, Pastor Tom Sexton in Cape Coral, Cal Gulf Coast Baptist Church, Pastor Jay Shepherd, Tri-City Baptist Church in Port Charlotte. I know all these men real well. I'm not, just, I'm not just talking about people I've heard of, these people I know personally. They all have been hurt and they all need help. And if you want to help them, write a check, put cash in this envelope and say, hurricane, storm in whatever you want to do but if you like to give by the grace of God we all should have a part in giving to help we all have the opportunity and we're to do good to all men but especially Paul said to the household of faith this morning we've seen the godly king we've seen the grateful people but thirdly as we close this morning I want to see a great God look at Titus chapter 2 and verse 13 Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. The godly king was Saul, the grateful people was Jabesh Gilead, but the great God, and we see in Titus verse 13, is none other than Jesus Christ himself. Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. Titus 2 and verse 13, it says, looking, Titus 2, 13, looking for that blessed hope. <laughs> And glorious appearing the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm looking for that blessed hope, aren't you? We sang about it this morning. In that song, he keeps me singing. The last stanza is talking about looking forward to that day. The song we sang about the troubles and trials of life. We look forward to the blessed hope. The blessed hope. He said that God is good and gave us for himself. Verse 14, who gave himself for us that we might redeem us for all iniquity and purifying himself, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. He says he's going to redeem us. That means to buy us back and, and, and from all iniquity. Amen? Not just some iniquity. Not just part of your sin. Not just a little bit of your sin. Or 90.9.9, .9 you're part of your sin. All your sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Praise God. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. He paid it all. He paid it all. And we go back to Lamentations. I'll read these verses for you. I thought about them in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 24. The Lord is my portion, my portion, saith my soul. Therefore I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait on him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope quietly and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. You know what I thought when I go down there? I would hear a bunch of whining 
and crying and weeping and wailing and, try, and, and all type of criticizing and complaining. You know what I heard? I heard I had this problem, but God is good. I had this issue, but God saved this. Oh, I lost my boat. I lost my malai. My, my, that's the, you know, that little Florida room. But thank God my house is okay. The rest of the house is okay. I heard that over and over and over and over till it was deafening. I was just waiting for one complaint. Even the pagans didn't pout. <laughs> Even the pagans didn't pout. Dear friend, God is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. A stronghold in a time of trouble. Oh, dear friend, thank God he's good. Despite our situation, God and his love and his goodness was willing to save us. All of us deserve death, destruction. All of us are hopeless, hapless, and helpless. But so, so thankful that God so loved the world that he gave his son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm so glad that Jesus Christ died for our sins. Not only is God good who gave himself for us, God is gracious in giving, in giving us what we need. It says there in verse 11, go back, it says, For the grace of, of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to some men. Did it say that? It says to all men. It said, Preacher, who's this grace for? Is it for me because I was born in America? Not just for you who were born in America. But for every person. We used to sing the songs as kids. Red and yellow, black and white, white, brown, red and yellow, brown, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves all the children of the world. Amen. He loves you. He loves us all. Do you know anybody that Jesus doesn't love? I posted it on Instagram, on Instagram, Facebook this morning, I think. Tozier said, he knows, Jesus knows everything about us and he loves us the most. He knows everything about you. Those little secrets, man, that you, you dare not tell your wife. Ooh, we talked about that Thursday night in the Bible study. Last night, my wife was in the bedroom, and I saw a cockroach. And I didn't tell her. <laughs> I didn't tell her. Because if I sold her, I told a cockroach, my night might be different. <laughs> I would probably sleep in the pulpit right now instead of waking in the pulpit because she would have kept me all night. Where's the cockroach? Where's the cockroach? Where's the cockroach? <laughs> uh, no, I didn't tell her about that cockroach I saw on top of my Bible. <laughs> I didn't kill it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I tried. I tried. I tried. So you can't, you can't say everything you want to say. Oh, dear friend, God loves us in spite of ourselves. Amen. He loves us in spite of ourselves. God's gracious for the grace of God is to bring us salvation appears to all men. You say, when, is, when, when do we get that grace, preacher? Well, after this message with my wife, I hope. But um, <laughs> the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. <laughs> Lamentations 3.57 That I will draw us near the day that I called upon thee And says fear not O Lord Thou hast pleaded the causes of my soul Thou hast redeemed my life I need grace Grace comes in the time of need Brother Jim not had the opportunity to go help him Song leader at Gospel Baptist Church Called him up Wednesday said brother do you need help He said I need help like I said to you Showed up 
Six feet of water came into his garage. Now imagine, folks, six feet of water coming to your garage right now with all your stuff there. He's not home. He's heading to Lima, Ohio because his uncle had died. The storm is coming. He thought going to Tampa, going to Cedar Key, going up that way. Nope, nope, going to Boquilla, going to hit his house. He's afraid of wind, doesn't think about the surge because this storm is a whole lot bigger than Charlie. Six feet of water coming to the garage. What would six feet of water do to your garage this morning if all your stuff was there? Ruined his Honda Goldwing. Ruined his car. And you'll notice a whole lot of cars coming north. Don't buy those cars. Don't, they look good outside, but inside, not so much. I saw them all over going to 75 Saturday. Ruined all his stuff inside his garage. It was all sitting out there in the yard. He said, brother, I'm sitting there tearing off sheetrock. I'm there tearing them, taking out insulation, putting it in the dumpster that his son provided for him. We're putting it in there, putting it in there, putting it in there, putting it in there. I'm saying, I wish I was Micah's age about right now. <laughs> I'm 50-something. I wish I was 17. <laughs> but it's good for a Baptist preacher to work every once in a while. Amen. I said to Brother Jim, how'd you deal with it? He said, God gave me. He said, just like years ago. Remember that Sunday when Sunday ch when church was over and preacher called you to the office and called me and my wife to the office and our daughter and our other son. His son had died in a car wreck up in Tampa. Going through a curvy road and went too fast, hit a tree. His name was TJ. He was killed instantly. They told him after church Sunday morning. And I'm looking at this man and his wife and his daughter and his other son. And I'm thinking, how can they hear this news? How can they not be in the floor? How can they not be crying? How can they not be weeping? God gave them grace in the time of need. And, Marty, and he said, Marty, God gave me grace to, uh, to accept the stuff that was destroyed just like God gave me grace. To endure the death of my son. He will give you grace in your time of need. Is it your time of need right now? Is it your time of need? I heard a song years ago called Through It All. It said, I've heard, I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had many questions for tomorrow. There's been times where I didn't even know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend on his word. Maybe the purpose of the trial you're going through is to learn to depend on his word. Gold? No. Government? Surely not. People? Not so much. Sometimes. But you can always depend on this blessed book. For it is forever settled in heaven. And it is always true. 
I ask you, dear friend, what are you going through today? What trial? What trouble? I ask you today, do you know Jesus Christ? If you were in a tragedy, if you were in a difficulty, if you were in that storm and that storm came up over your head and destroyed all your precious things, who would you cry out to? Would you get on social media and cry out the problems, the pain, the suffering? Would you call a friend, a relative? Would you cry out to Jesus, Lord, I need help? There's no other Savior like Jesus. There's no other Savior like Jesus. Would you cry out to him? Do you know him personally? I didn't say, do you know about him? I'm not saying if you read the Bible. I'm not saying if you're Baptist or Presbyterian or Catholic or Lutheran background. I'm saying, do you know that you know that you know Jesus? Do you have a personal relationship with Christ that you know if you called out, he would hear your name? Do you know him this morning? Do you know him? Because a lot of people say, well, you know, everybody's going to heaven, right? That's not what the Bible says. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, enter into the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. But he followed that up with, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few, few there be that find it. I'm wondering this morning, are you part of that few? Has there been a time in your life where you recognize that you're a sinner and there's no way possible for you to be saved? The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means you. The Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. That means you. That means me. You recognize that you're a sinner, but you recognize that Jesus Christ is the only Savior. And for by grace, he'd save you. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not what you do, it's what Jesus Christ has already done for you. See, if you could save yourself, Jesus Christ didn't have to come to die on the cross to, to shed his blood, to be buried, to rise again the third day, so you, conquering death and hell, so you could be saved. And the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for the wage of sin is death. Wage of sin is death. But the good news, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you have salvation have you received eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord? Have you received it? Who can receive it, preacher? Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone, anyone can be saved. Is that you, preacher? I need to be saved today. If that's you, dear friend, I pray before you leave this place, we're going to have an invitation. Would you come? See, Brother Clayton, if you're a man, you're a woman, see my wife will be here. Or see me is that you go outside, walk outside, but see somebody so they can take a Bible in just a few moments, show you from the wondrous word of God how to be saved. Dear friend, there's nothing more important. The barbecue will wait, I promise you. The specials will wait. The meal will wait. Let it get cold. Your salvation is more important than your supper. If you need to be saved today, don't, make a, don't do anything else. Get saved today. Now's the time. If you say, preacher, I'm saved, but I'm, I'm struggling. Well, I just read for you the verse. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly in the throne of grace, that we maintain the mercy and find grace to, to help in the time of need. Now's the time to cry out to God. I need your help. Dear friend, if my children have a need, you know what they do? Like my daughter does. Dad. <laughs> she calls me from Greenville, South Carolina. Dad. Dad, I got a need. Son, I, call them, I, I got a need. I want this. I need that. They didn't call Brother Chuck. 
They ain't called Brother Troy. They ain't called Brother Pete. They ain't called Brother Bob. They ain't called Brother Clayton. They ain't called Brother Rick. They ain't called Brother Richard. They ain't called Brother Ruel. Didn't call Brother Pat or Brother Wes, Brother Marty, Brother Kelly. Didn't call any of you men. Who did they call? Papa. 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 Okay. Okay. Here we go again. <laughs> Here we go again. Here we go again until death do us part. They don't tell you that at the hospital, but it's true. <laughs> till death do us part. <laughs> and dear friends, if we as human fathers do that, how much more does your heavenly father care for you? How much more? If you're hurting this morning, cry to Jesus. Cry to Jesus. He longs to hear your voice. Let's stand to our feet. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we are here today just recognizing the fact that we need you. Without you, there'd be no hope, no help. There'd be the only destruction and death, devastation. But thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us so much. You're willing to pay the price, shedding your blood on that old rugged cross so we could have salvation, eternal life through you alone. With head bowed, eyes closed, maybe someone say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. Maybe you say, I'm kind of 50%, 75, but to be honest, to be honest before God, I'm not sure I'm saved, but I want to be saved. I don't want to die and go to hell. I don't even want to risk it, chance it. I want to know that I know I'm saved. Would you pray for me, preacher? I want to go to heaven today. I know I want to go to heaven. I I, I, I want to die. I don't want to die and go to hell. Would you pray for me?